Well, good morning once again. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, at this moment we come before you, we come in your presence. Uh, Father, we pray that your spirit may be with us as we go through this seminar on Christian leadership. We pray that your spirit may guide us. We pray that your spirit may open our hearts. We pray that you may be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As your booklet indicates, this session is on uh, Christian leadership, biblical leadership. And this morning, I want to discuss with you three elements or three essentials of leadership, of Christian leadership. If I may begin by asking, what is leadership? How would you define leadership? As an open question, it's not a rhetorical question, just as an open question. What is leadership? How would you define leadership? Setting the tone, okay. Anyone else? What is leadership? Someone who sets a good example, okay. Anyone else? Taking one people from one point to the next, or pointing one, uh, people from one point to the next, okay. Any other answers? Yes. Showing that you have a different trait than others, that makes you a leader, puts a leader in them. Okay, so like going before the people? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think all the answers are correct because uh, as uh, you do a little bit of studying what is leadership, there are various definitions of leadership. And oftentimes, depending on the context of that leadership, uh, where leadership is done. For example, if you look in the dictionary, uh, it may say that a leadership is an act or instance of leading, guiding, or providing direction, or a capacity to lead to cause change. Also, uh, other dictionaries uh, do say that leadership implies responsibility. Um, so if you have any responsibility, you have uh, some uh, uh, leadership uh, qualities uh, that people have seen in you uh, to be able to bestow upon you uh, such uh, responsibilities. I want to lead you uh, to read for you uh, these statements from Ministry of Healing, page 469. And for me, this is uh, what I would call a working definition of leadership, a working definition of leadership. And it's found in uh, ministry, the book Ministry of Healing, page 469. And it says, what a man is has more influence than what he says. What a man is has more influence than what he says or does. So if I could narrow it down and define a leadership, I would define leadership as character. Leadership is your character. Not necessarily what you do, but who you are. That, uh, that is the foundation of leadership, who you are as a person. As a person. And as this uh, uh, statement says, what a person, a man or a woman is, has more influence than what he does or says. So who the person is, is much more essential than what he does. So who you are and who am I speaks volumes than what we do. So as a working definition, leadership 
is who we are, character first. John Maxwell, in his book, you know, he has uh, written many books on leadership. In one of his books, he says, everything rises or falls on leadership. So if we, if we use our definition, our working definition, if everything rises or falls on leadership, everything also rises or falls on our character, on the person we are, on who we are. Everything rises or falls on who we are. Uh, another person has said that anyone can hold the helm when the sea is calm. Anyone can lead when everything is okay. But when chaos or the storm arises, it's when truly leadership, true leadership is exhibited. So those are some quotes on leadership. Uh, Kwame Nkrumah, who was the first president of Ghana, once said that revolutions are brought about by men, by men who think as men of actions and act as men of thought. So a combination of action and thought, which essentially goes back to who the person is, how we think. As the Bible tells that how we think determines also how we act. How we think also determines how we act. And uh, it is, uh, uh, has become almost a, a cliche. You hear it in many circles that uh, no movement ever arises higher than its leadership. No movement ever arises higher than its leadership. In other words, that you as a person also can never rise higher than your character is. There are so many people with so many great talents I have seen. And yet when you place them in a situation, they cannot be able to, to, to use those talents because their characters cannot keep them there. In other words, you, you, you might be a person of uh, uh, distinguished talents, definitely coveted talents, but when placed in a situation, your character cannot keep you there. So movements will never rise higher than their leadership than their leaders, because their leaders, the lead, their leadership, the leadership is dependent on the quality of the characters of their leaders. Does that make sense? Amen? No movement rises higher than its leaders. The quality of leaders and their leadership shape the direction of the movement. And the quality of our characters also shape the direction of our lives. Who we are determines the destiny of our lives. So this morning, I want to share with you three core, what I would call three core essentials of leadership. Three essentials of leadership or three principles of leadership. Number one, the call of a leader. The call of a leader. And number two, the commission of a leader. And then number three, the character of a leader. So. Three essentials of leadership, the call of a leader, number two, the commission of a leader, and number three, the character of a leader. The call of a leader. How God calls us. How does God call us? I just want to ask the question. How do you know God has called you? How does God call us? We are looking at the call of a leader. Any answers? How God calls you? Providence, okay. An audible voice. 
those are all right. Let, let, me, let me read for you uh, a statement in Patriarchs and Prophets in the chapter, The Call of Abraham, page 126. And this is what Ellen White says. Many are still tested, as was Abraham. They do not hear the voice of God speaking directly from heavens, but he calls them by the teachings of his word and the events of his providences. Let me say that again. Many are still tested as was Abraham. They do not hear the voice of God speaking directly from heavens. He calls them by the teachings of his word and the events of his providences. We are talking about how does God call you and I. And embedded in this statement by Ellen White, talking about the call of Abraham, she says that many are still tested. They do not hear the voice of God. So number one, we can see that one way that God calls us is a clear voice from him. So number one, God calls us. We know God has called us by a clear voice from him. And number two, she says, he calls them by the teachings of his word. So the second, we find that God calls us as leaders and also in, our, in, in our different uh, spheres of our lives by his word. God calls us, number one, by his voice, number two, by the teachings of his word, and number three, by the events of his providences. By the events of his providences. And when you read Steps to Christ, she also adds another element. And in Steps to Christ, in a chapter entitled, A Knowledge of God, page 85 to page 91. Steps to Christ, chapter entitled, A Knowledge of God, page 85 to page 91. She says, the other way that God calls us is through nature. Through nature. So, if we can add all these, these ways that God leads us, so there will be, uh, calls us four ways. Number one, God calls us with his clear word. Number two, he calls us by he through nature. And number three, he calls us by his providences. And number four, he calls us by a clear voice from God. So how does God call you? How do you know you have been called to be a leader? How do you know God calls you to be who you are? And through these statements, we gather that God uses about four ways. Of course, God has numerous ways that he can reveal himself to us. What they call technically theophanies, ways God reveals himself. And we find that there are about four ways. Of course, there can be many more. But if we can uh, categorize all ways that God reveals himself to us or calls us, is there are four ways number one a clear voice from god number two through his providential workings in our lives number three through nature and then number four through his word and it is essential that we undergird these four ways by saying that the word of god always undergirds always controls these ways god leads us you know someone may walk to you and say um, God has revealed this to me about you. You know, perhaps a young lady may walk to Ezra and say, you know, I have prayed and I know God has called me to be a wife. A and Ezra will say, how do I know that? 
How do you know that? And at this instance, because you have no way of verifying that this is true, that this is a true statement, that this is a true experience, so that's why that all in different ways that God reveals, reveals himself to us or different ways that God calls to us, we, we verify them by the word of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. We verify these by the word of God. So God may reveal to us in many ways, but we always go back to his word because his word affirms with clarity that he has truly called us. That he has truly called us. I want us to look at some few examples and I want, I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles. We're going through, to read uh, about five people to see how God called them. And maybe that may illustrate also how God may call us or has called us. We're going to begin, uh, I'm going to ask uh, uh, multiple volunteers. We're going to begin with a passage in Genesis 12, Genesis 12, verse 1 to verse 3. So if one person can read that for us, Genesis 12, verse 1 to verse 3. And then another person can take Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. And then another person can take Second Kings 22, 8 to 13. We'll stop there and then we'll continue the rest of uh, uh, the other people, how God has called them. So let's take the first one. Genesis 12, verse 1 to verse 3. So we see here first that God calls Abraham. The Bible says that now the Lord had said unto Abraham. So we see a clear voice from God. That God called Abraham with a clear voice, audible voice. He called Abraham. So we see this principle that God, one of the ways that God calls us is through an audible voice. Okay, let's uh, read also Exodus 3, 1 to 4. Okay, what can we decipher from this, uh, these few verses? What happened first? There was fire. What happened in the fire? So there was a fire, there was a bush burning, but it was not being burnt. So Moses saw the bush and that drew his attention. The, we're talking about the providences of God, the workings of God. And then once Moses drew to the what? To the bush, and then he did what? He heard the voice of God. So you can see that God here, we see God using both providences of his workings, but also his voice. 
you know and is these things happen sometimes in our lives especially when uh, when when uh, uh, I can look in my own life and find that uh, I didn't hear an audible voice from God first but through the workings of his providences I have seen God calling me I'm sure many of you can attest to this I've seen God calling me through the, 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 the workings of his providences. And once I, my heart was drawn, and once I started uh, obeying this call, then the voice of God started becoming discernible to me. I started see, seeing how God is calling me. I started understanding the word of God. So you can imagine that Moses could have stopped and say, okay, I see the bush burning, but I don't need to go there. Right? And also that's what sometimes happens in our lives. We see uh, the workings of his providences in our lives. And instead of seeing God working in our lives, we decide to reject his workings in our lives. Moses could have stopped there. But rather he said, no, I, have, I must approach this bush and find out. And as soon as he approached the bush, he also had the what? The voice of God. So in this passage, we can see both the voice of God, a clear voice from God, and also the workings of his providence. Okay, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 22. 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 8 through 13. Here we find, this this is one of the greatest revivals in the Old Testament. And we find that when Josiah became a king at the age of eight, and then one time, uh, they were doing some uh, renovation in the, in, the, in the sanctuary, and the priest Hilkiah finds the book of the law. Now, when they found the book of the law, they took it to the king, and they read it before the king. And notice what the king said, verse 12, verse 12 no, verse 11. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. Verse 12, and the king commanded Hilkiah, the priest, and Ahikam, the son of Shapham, and Akbah, the son of Micah, and Shaphan, the scribe, and Azariah, a servant of the king, saying, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me. So here we see clearly that when they read the word of God, Josiah was convicted. Josiah was convicted that they must lead as a country, as a nation, in a different path. So we see here one of the other principles that God calls us through his word, through his word, which becomes essential why we should study the word of God. You want to know the will of God for your life? Study the word of God. Amen? Amen. Study the word of God. One of my favorite uh, uh, verse is in uh, Psalms 32 verse 8. Where God says, I shall teach you and guide you in the way in which you should go. That I shall teach you and guide you in the way in which you should go. He has promised that he will teach us in the way in which we should go. So there is no reason we should not approach him. Amen? Amen. Call unto me and I shall show you great and unsearchable things which you do not know. Jeremiah 33.3 Call to me. And I'll show you great and unsearchable things which you do not know. So if we study the word of God, clearly the will of God will be visible to us. Amen? All right. Let's read a couple more people. And then we'll find out uh, also how God called them in their lives. Let's read Nehemiah chapter 1. 
verse 1 to 4. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 4. And then another person will read for us Acts 26, 14 to 18. Nehemiah 1, verse 1 to verse 4. Okay, what happened here? Nehemiah was where? Where was Nehemiah? In Shushan. And then one of his what? One of his brothers came and told him about what? About Jerusalem. And what happened? Nehemiah was sad. Nehemiah's heart was moved. Nehemiah's heart was touched. And this caused him what? This caused him distress and great sadness. And what did Nehemiah do? He fasted and prayed. So Nehemiah didn't hear a clear voice from God, right? Nehemiah didn't necessarily read the Bible to see what's happening in Jerusalem, but he had what? He had what was happening in Jerusalem. And this caused great distress in his heart. And Nehemiah committed himself to go back and he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And in 52 days, he had rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. So we see God calling Nehemiah through the workings of his providence. But that's because Nehemiah's heart was also attuned to God, that he could have a passion, a desire to do the work of God. So when the workings of his providence became clear, Nehemiah said, God must be calling me to this path. Amen? So, we've seen the call of God, that God calls us through four ways that we can, in, 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 we can cut, categorize in four ways, that the ways God calls us. Number one, that God calls us through a clear voice from him. And number two, that God calls us through his, the workings of his providences. And number three, that God calls us also through nature. And then number four, that God also calls us through his word. The call of a leader. How God calls leaders. Secondly, we're going to look at the commission of a leader. The commission of a leader. Turn with me to Proverbs 29, verse 18. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Proverbs 29, verse 18. You're there, you can read it for us. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Mm-hmm. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And this is, if we can uh, subtitle uh, this, uh, this uh, second point, the commission of a leader, we can call it the vision of a leader. The vision, the duties of a leader. Now, I ask you, what is the difference between a vision? And a revelation. Someone comes to you and say, what's your vision for your life? What's your vision for your company? What's your vision for this movement? What's your vision for your life? So what's the difference between a revelation and a vision? What's the difference? Any Wild ideas. Okay. Opened up to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay. I don't know if it's a difference. 
So what other version do we have? What's your version? New King James as well. Okay. The actual word here is where there is no revelation, people perish. You can have a vision. You can sit. You can do a survey and come up with a vision for a company, for a movement. But you cannot come up with a revelation. And that's a fundamental difference. So when a person asks you, what is your vision? That's something you can construct yourself. But a a revelation you cannot construct. Christian leaders should not have a vision, but should have a revelation from God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Christian leaders should not have a vision, but should have a revelation from God. Because that's what the Bible says, that where there is no revelation, unless God reveals himself to you and me, we are doomed. Unless God reveals himself to you and me. Which begs a question. How much time should leaders spend in searching about the revelation of God? We should go to a great extent in finding out about the revelation of God. I mean, every time you go to any of the uh, youth uh, movements, youth gathering. Uh, every time you go to come maybe to ECYC or to GYC to other uh, young people's gathering and there always are talks about the vision there are always talks about a vision where is this movement going where is this is this is this movement going what's happening with this movement and we see here in Proverbs 29 verse 18 the Bible says that where there is no revelation Unless God reveals himself, amen, unless God reveals himself, there is no hope for anybody. Unless God reveals himself to us, there is no hope. Amen? So in other words, the origin of our vision should not be with us or with our surroundings, but rather from who? from God. And that's what makes a difference between the movement that lasts forever and the movement that lasts for a period of time. That's what makes a difference between those who will go to heaven and those who will not. Because those who will go to heaven will have a clear revelation from God for their lives. And they will follow up to it. They will obey that revelation from God. But those who sit down and have a vision for themselves, constructed by themselves, there is no hope. I hope that is clear. That where there is no revelation, people perish. So as leaders, the commission of a leader is to find the revelation of God for us. The revelation of God for our movements and our lives you know the mission of the seven-day adventist church who knows the mission of the seven-day adventist church what is the mission of the seven-day adventist church come on we are adventists here what is the mission of the seven-day adventist church preach the word okay what is, in other words, what is God's revelation to the Adventist church? 
reach out to all generations? The three angels message. Revelation 14, verse 6 to 14. The three angels message. The proclamation of the three angels message. That's the mission. That's the revelation of God to the Adventist church. That's the mission God has given us. So as Seventh-day Adventists, when I am praying, God, what is your revelation for me? What is your will for me? In other words, the God's will for my life should fall in the larger umbrella vision of the church. Does it make sense? There is a vision, a larger vision that God has given the church to proclaim the three angels' message. So if I am praying, one of the ways to confirm that truly this is God's will is that it must fall in the same larger umbrella of the vision that God has given the church. Is that clear? Amen? Amen. So the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist church is not simply to change the world, but rather to end the world. Is your vision, is your mission for your life to change the world or to end the world? Your vision and the seven-day Adventist mission that God has given us. Are we out of time? Okay. We'll pause here on the second point, the commission of a leader, the vision of a leader. And then we'll probably resume uh, if uh, the next speaker is not here. He's here? here? Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, We'll pause here. But we have covered two points in a conclusion. We have covered two points so far. We've covered, number one, the call of a leader. And number two, the commission of a leader. And in just one minute, the last point is the character of a leader. The character of a leader. You know, let me read you a last statement here before we close. Ellen White says, in Heavenly Places, she says, page 237, she says, Christ spoke as no other man spoke, because what? Because he lived as no other man lived. He spoke as no other man spoke, because he lived as no other man lived. In other words, what he said was dependent on his life, how he lived his life. What he did was dependent on the life he lived. Not the life he lived in public, because what controlled his public life was his private life. What is your private life? When all doors are closed, when it's dark, when you're alone with your laptop, what happens in your private life? His private life controls his public life. He spoke as no other man spoke, because he lived as no other man lived. And she says this in Desire of Ages. But the Son of God was surrendered to the Father's will and depended upon his power. So utterly was Christ emptied of self that he made no plans for himself. He accepted God's plans for him. And day by day, the Father unfolded his plans. So should we depend upon God that our lives may be the simple outworking of his will. The simple outworking of God's will. Such was the life of our Lord and Savior. And to notice that even also secular historians have recorded this. This is W.E.H. Lecky in the History of the European uh, Morals. And he says, the character of Jesus. Notice he didn't say anything else. He said the character of Jesus. This is a non-Christian looking at the life of Christ. 
He didn't say the deeds of Christ, the works of Christ, the clothes of Christ, his appearance. Mm -mm. He says the character of Christ. And he says, the character of Jesus has not only been the highest pattern of virtue, but the strongest incentive in its practice, and has exerted so deep an influence that it may be truly said that the simple record of three years of active life has done more to regenerate and to soften mankind than all disquisition of philosophers and all exaltation of moralists. The character of Jesus Christ. What is the difference between Christian leaders and secular leaders? This will be the last passage, and then I will promise I will sit down. Turn with me to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. Verse 1 to verse 3. Someone can read it for us quickly. We have about five minutes, but we want to close before that. These are the responsibility of Christian leaders. That we are to shepherd. The word is there, pastoral. That all of us as Christian leaders, we are to pastor in a sense. To shepherd the flock of God which is among us. To nurture, to feed, to help the flock of God amongst us. So we've looked at three points. The call of a Christian leader the commission of a Christian leader, and the character of the Christian leader. Three essentials, three principles that undergirds biblical leadership. I hope that was clear in such a short time that we had together. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being called out of darkness into this marvelous, marvelous light. We thank you that you've called us to be leaders in different spheres. And we thank you that you will continue to make your calling sure for us. We pray that you may continue to affirm your calling in our lives that those of us who are unsure of your calling for our lives, that you may make it clear, Lord. We pray that, Father, you may also reveal yourself to us. Reveal to us what you'd like us to do. Most of all, we pray that you may fashion our lives after your own character. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.